I've been sharing a message with you uh, on the condition of the church. Then last week I shared with you a condition of our culture. And the hardest part now is how do we live in this condition of a culture that we uh, have to face? And so I call it the Jesus invitation. Let me bring you into that understanding this morning. How many of you have ever used a compass? Anybody? A few Boy Scouts? A lot of Girl Scouts. All right, a compass. Strange machine. Nobody usually knows how to use it. You open it up and you figure it's simple, but when you turn, that needle goes in different directions and you just, you don't know how in the world is this supposed to get me out of this place? Well, it's interesting because the tip of that compass is magnetized and it is supposed to point which direction? North. What's interesting is there is a true north. The true north is located at the point of the globe, which is called the North Pole. We set that point as true north. No matter where you are on the planet, the true north is going to point to the, to the North Pole. But there's a problem with that because there is a magnetic uh, north, which is different than true north. In our globe, within the center of the globe, is a magnetic core. And our magnetic north changes in response to the Earth's magnetic core. And the Earth is on an axis tilt of 11 degrees. So magnetic north isn't the same as true north. But that magnetic north is the condition of the world, as opposed to what is the true north. You know the true north through God's word. The true north doesn't change, it's fixed. And the word of God has been established in the heavens before the beginning of time. That's true north. And you know who the true north is, it's Jesus. The world follows a magnetic truth that will change and adjust and shift as they feel they want to go. But that's not going to be your help to you. You need the true north. And so that's what I want to share with you. But how do we share this true north? You know, there are principles that we believe in that are true, and we have to get those expressions across, but we're not just sharing principles, we're trying to reach people. We're reaching people. It would be one thing if we would just tell everybody what the Word of God says, and that's it. But how many of you know we needed more than that? We needed more than the truth and the revelation. We also needed someone to care. We needed someone to help us walk with us to the true north. We need to understand how to get there. Listen, I can preach a message from the Word of God and I can be strong on it. I can tell you what is right and what is wrong, what is truth and what is sin. And I can speak it from the pulpit succinctly and directly. But that's not how I talk at the table when I'm sitting across from a person. Because they won't listen to me. I'm instructing the church on what are the true north principles. But when I sit across the table from a sinner, if I just spout out all this information, they'll shut me off or shut me down. I have to find a way into their heart. This is what I want to share with you this morning. It's one thing to know the way. It's another to help others find the way. Do you get that? 
Amen? Now, there are times when we're dealing with the abstract principles of morality and what is right. When there is a legislation that is going to come down through the law, I'll protest anything that's against God's Word. I'll be loud and I'll be direct about it. But when I'm on the protest line with those who oppose, I need to talk to those folks. And I need to reach them with the love of Jesus Christ. And so how do we do this? Many of you are falling into this situation where family members, your own children, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, your neighbors are choosing alternative lifestyles. They're following the ways of the world. And they think they're right. They're following the magnetic north, but it's not the true north. How do you deal with that? May I say it is not easy. And we don't have it down pat. Don't worry about that. But learn and grow in how to share the gospel with other people who are lost. Remember, they are blinded by the God of this age and spiritually dead to God. And many times we talk to them as if they should know and understand the gospel. We've got to help them understand. And that's why I want to share with you, preaching's one thing, but conversation is another. I'm not going to say you should water the gospel down. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But your approach should be person to person versus standing on your soapbox. Amen? So let's take a look at that. Amen. Praise God. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said this in his priestly prayer in John 17. He's praying for the church and he said, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of this world. Well, thank you, Jesus. We're all trying to get some people to like us. Jesus said, they're going to hate you if you love me. He's given us his what? Word. That's the true north. He's given us true north. He's given us his word. But the world hates us because of that word. And so what should we do? What should Jesus do? I think he should take us out of this world. But that's not what he said. What did he say? He said this, just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Well, thank you very much. It would be a lot easier if we could just go. Be great. You get saved and boom, there you are in heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But it doesn't work that way. In fact, one of Jesus' prayers is that you do not leave this world. Why? Because we are the agents of grace. We're the salt and the light that can bring them to salvation. He chooses to use the foolishness of our preaching, of our sharing, of our caring to bring them into salvation. So we need to get good at it, don't you think? If our commission is to go into the world, though we're not of the world, we need to learn how to survive in this world and how to function properly. Now, one thing he will pray for us is that you keep them from the evil one. So we live in a hostile world that hates us because we love Jesus, but we also have an enemy of our soul that wants to devour us, but Jesus has your back on that one. Jesus defeated the devil at the cross, disarming him. And he's praying for you, interceding for you, that the evil one will not take you out or influence you. But you and I have to reach this dying world 
with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to have to learn how to do it. Yeah, but how do we live in such a sinful world? How many of you, like Lot, you are vexed in your righteousness? I'm vexed every day when I look at the news and I can't believe they passed that legislature. Are you kidding me? That they are proclaiming this in the streets and rallying behind causes and proclaiming what is sinful as right and what is righteous as wrong? How do we live in a world like this? How do we contend with it? Well, let's take a look at how some Christians have contended and let's see. I'm going to give you 10 different ways to handle this. Here's the first one, the monk mode. The monk is one who's an isolationist. There was a a movement early in church history when there were people who could not handle the unrighteousness and sinfulness of the world and they went into monasteries up on mountains and in caves and hid away from the world because they being righteous didn't want to be tainted by the world. Well, you and I can't do that, unless you want to lose your house, your car, and your kids. We've got to live in this world, but how do we do it? Isolationism is not the way to do it, because in fact, we have a commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all ethnos, all nations, all peoples. And so we have to reach them. So, you know, I mean, some of you are operating as a monk, you retired, and you don't want to come out your door again. I mean, I understand you're trying to grasp and hold on to life and do the best you can. There was, in fact, a reason why we had these monks. They, in fact, preserved the Word of God through the Dark Ages. There was a time when Islam had propagated in the 700s, and it began to destroy all the Christian societies in northern Africa and in uh, the Mediterranean area where the church was, was built first. And uh, so the gospel went up into Great Britain and Europe, and the monks had taken the Bible and stored all the great writings of the early church fathers. If it wasn't for them, we would have lost them all. So thank God for that. That's just an extra tidbit. But do we need to be monks? How about the protester? Be angry. Shouldn't you be angry at such sin? Shouldn't you be angry at the killing of babies? Shouldn't you be angry at the mistreatment of others? But what does James say about angry? Be you angry, but sin not. So there's a place to be angry. But when you're on the picket line, when you're making a defense for your point of view, that anger is just joining the anger the enemy had put in the other people. There's a principle called ministering in the opposite spirit. If they're angry and yelling and name-calling, you don't revert to that same spirit. Uh, Proverbs says that a quiet response calms down the situation. I'm paraphrasing. And that we're not to throw pearls to swine. And if people are not going to receive it, just walk away. There's a better way than to move in anger. But you're losing your testimony in that. And so we shouldn't be angry with other people. We should be angry with the situation, but never putting anger against someone else. It's not us versus them. And there's a lot of Christians with that attitude. We're supposed to be bringing them to the kingdom. And so the protester's not the best situation, though I've been on picket lines, I've protested and so forth. But when I'm protesting, I've been in protests in Detroit, in city county buildings, in Lansing, to uh, 
protest against what I be, feel is immoral legislature. But while I'm on that picket line where there are those opposing me, I've asked them, could we step aside and let's have a conversation? Let's talk. And I've gotten more accomplished that way than us butting heads on a picket line. Because we're supposed to reason with people and help them understand. How about this, the Pharisee? The holier than thou. Do you know any Pharisees? Maybe you're one. I don't know. <laughs> holier than thou. The idea that I'm right, you're wrong, I'm righteous, you're going to hell. Well, that doesn't accomplish much. And it's kind of a prideful attitude. I chose Jesus and you haven't. It's like, I don't think you chose him, he chose you. And some of us are wondering why. But by the grace of God, go I. Just kidding. Don't get a... F well, whatever. <laughs> Jesus was against the Pharisees, wasn't he? Did Jesus hate the Pharisees? No, he didn't. As a matter of fact, Jesus so loved the Pharisees, he would press on them. Because when you have a hard nut to crack, you got to put a lot of pressure. And he would call them out and put pressure on them because he loved them. They were so close to the law and understanding and wanting righteousness, but they missed it because of a holier-than-thou self-righteous attitude. And it was successful at his uh, crucifixion and resurrection. We see two Pharisees come for the body, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, that were believers in Jesus to restore their life and trust in him. So God made a way through that. But being a Pharisee is not going to help you. How do you go to work every day? How many of you have jobs? Okay, more than in this service. I asked that in the first service. There was about 10 people that raised their hand. It's like, geez, I don't know how we're going to meet budget this year. How many of you at your jobs uh, work in a sanctified, holy, and righteous environment? <laughs> right? You know, it's one thing for the preacher to stand up here and preach about righteousness. You should do this, you should do that. And then Monday morning you go to work, you go to your locker room, and there's pictures of naked women, and you got to change, and the guys are effing this and effing that, and you're going to have to do that, and then the women are saying this and that. It's a mess. It's hard. So why not just quit? You can't. But also, how else are we going to win them? We need to move into our world and reach the lost. Wherever you work, you walk as a priest of the Most High God. Now let's win them. But you can't do it by being the monk. You can't do it by being the protester or the Pharisee. Maybe you should be the conspirator. You know, we're in an age where everything is such conspiracy theory. There is, there is a conspiracy behind this and a government conspiracy. We give Satan more credit. We also, we also give people more credit for their intelligence. They're not that smart. But it's the enemy. There has been a conspiracy from day one. His name's Lucifer, and he's been trying to work this through. But how many of you know greater is he in me than he that's in the world? Some of you are spending more time trying to convince someone of a conspiracy than you are of Jesus Christ. Go, don't go down those rabbit holes. You know more about NASA than you do about Jesus or who shot JFK 
or, or what's in the inoculations. I mean, come on, people. Know more about Jesus. Amen? So proving and pointing out conspiracies isn't going to win someone's soul to the love of God. What about the avoider? This world is so bad, I can't handle it. I'm going to avoid everything that's worldly. I'm not going to listen to any other music but Jesus' music. I'm not going to look at any other pictures or magazines but Jesus' magazines, no other books, no other TV. I'm going to seal myself in my house. All my pictures on the walls are people praying, and I'm going to avoid this world. You can't do that, though, because you've got to go to work. And the music they play while you're at work. How about the music they play when you're at the restaurants? Drives me bonkers. Whoever thought ACDC would become elevator music? It's crazy. <laughs> you can't avoid it. You can't avoid it. You can't become an avoider and, and, and look the other way at everything. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he was on Mars Hill in the Greek culture, he was speaking to the philosopher of his days as he was speaking to all of them. And he spoke to them telling them what their philosophers taught. He said, according to your Stoics, according to your writers, they say this about the unknown God. Let me tell you that. See, he read, he understood, he knew the culture he was in. And he was able to speak to it. If you avoid it constantly, are you going to be relevant to the people you're near? So we've got to become better at this. But what about the untouchables? Because God has sanctified you, made you clean, and there are a lot of sinners in the world. Ew. I'm not going to go near him and I'm not going to touch him. Right? I mean, what do you do when people in your family say, I- I'm gay, I have a gay marriage, I have a gay relationship. Ooh, ooh. I'll pray for you, but I'm not touching you. Is that right? How do we reach them without compromising the truth of what is true north, but yet reaching out Where did you find Jesus? Do you know Jesus had a nickname? A drunkard and a glutton. I'm not recommending it. Jesus never got drunk and he didn't overeat, I don't think. But the reason he was called a drunkard and a glutton is because where he went, he would be at tables, at dinners, at meals, with prostitutes, with sinners, with tax collectors, the lowest of the lows. And people would look at him and and, and say, man, this guy's like, he shouldn't be touching them. He would lay hands on lepers, right? He would care for them. Do you know the church in the Middle Ages during the Black Plague were the only people who were caring for the sick? Many Christians lost their lives because they would take in people who were abandoned in the streets and they would care for them and they would minister to them on their their deathbed. And many times they themselves would get that black death. But they cared and showed love and they would bring souls into the kingdom of God. It was worth losing your life over. Do you believe that? Do you believe that caring for others is worth losing your life over? Jesus did! We can't be untouchables. 
We've got to reach the lost. We've got to care for those who are in transition. We've got to care for those who are broken. We've got to care for the children of, of parents who are so dysfunctional and reach out to these kids. We've got to care. We can't be untouchables. So let's be thumpers. Should we be Bible thumpers? What's a thumper? It's one thing to know the Word of God as your true north. It's one thing to know and discern the Word and to share the Word of God. It's another to beat people over the head with it. Now there's a time where, listen, I don't have a problem going on a street corner, get on your soapbox and proclaim the Word of God. Because you're sowing seed and you're proclaiming the Word of God. That is one purpose, one point that you're trying to do. Just hit that walk by with the Word of God to make them think. But if you do that at your job every day, you will quickly be hated. And you're going to lose any ability to speak into people's lives. So we have to measure how we witness. We have to measure. I'm not talking about diminishing the Word of God or its truth. But... How do you measure into speaking into people's lives? Show them that you're loving. Show them that you care. Show them that you can have fun. Show them that there is a true Jesus that they don't know about. They heard about this Jesus, but they don't know the true Jesus. And so we have to be careful about being Bible thumpers as well. Know the Word of God, use the Word of God, but do it well. Know how to do this, rightly dividing the Word of God. How about the preppers? Because this world is so wrecked in such bad shape, we just need to get out of here. I just need to get my guns, my food, and everything else, get on my farm, and leave me alone, because I am going to make sure nobody gets my stuff. Thank you, Jesus. Can't wait for the rapture. We can get out of here and be done with this mess. There's a lot of Christians with that attitude. And should we be those preppers? Or should we be the ones who say, Lord Jesus, I will reach more people, as many as I can, before you come. In fact, Peter said the reason that God delays His coming is so that more souls would be saved. I, you know, if uh, I understand you want to prep, you want to have food, I, I'm sure our electrical system grid's going to fail. I'm sure our food system's going to fail. We saw toilet paper fail. So uh, we're going to see all this crazy stuff. I understand that. Stock up, fine. But it's the attitude of the heart. Are you ready to give up on this world? No. Because God didn't give up on you. We can't give up on somebody else. Amen. Well, then let's be the inclusives. Let's shift true north to meet people at the magnetic north, where the world's north is. Let's, let's just invite everything, everybody in. I mean, and Jesus is loving. So let's just forget about the old boundary lines of what is sin, what is not sin. Let's just love everybody to Jesus. So no matter what choice you've made, no matter how morally or immoral you live your life, whatever you want to do, you do. Jesus loves you anyway. Remember, you belong before you believe. No, you don't. You don't. We can't take away true north. If we take away true north, no one's going to find their way to heaven. We've got to maintain what the Word of God is and the character of Jesus Christ and His righteousness. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. 
we can't be inclusives. We, God says that with sin, no man will see God. So we need the remedy of sin. And that's where number 10 comes in. This is who we should be. Jesus. We are to walk as Jesus walked. We are to care as Jesus cared. We are to love as Jesus loved. We're to go the extra mile. We're to give our cloak when they ask for it. We're to go the second mile when they tell us to go one. We're to do what Jesus did. And we are to lay our lives down for the sake of another. That's a radical position being preached. But it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, this is what Peter said about it. He said this, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as what? Holy. So Jesus Christ is holy. He is pure. He is the image of the invisible God. You must maintain the holiness of Jesus Christ. No man can see God unless they are holy. And Christ is the remedy for all sin. So we can't compromise on Jesus. And if we're supposed to introduce Jesus to people, we introduce a holy Jesus to people. But then he goes on to help us understand how do we do that? Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that's in you. You see, you have a hope in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. When everything else is failing, you have hope and joy and love and peace because God put that in you. It's a wellspring. You can go through a horrible situation but still have hope. You can go through great sorrow, but still have peace. And people around you are going to want to know, how do you do that? And you are to be prepared and ready for a defense. What defense? To introduce them to Jesus. Prepared to help them understand why you believe what you believe. Not about aliens, are they demons or not. Not about whether the government is doing this or not, but Jesus. They have, you have a hope. What's that hope? It's Christ my Lord. He's my Savior. You know, your friends are asking you for advice. They don't know what to do. They're asking for help for their marriage. They're asking advice at work. They're asking for all these different things. And I'm telling you, the solution to every one of them is Jesus. You can bring everything back to Jesus without thumping, without protesting, without anything else but sharing the love of Christ. But are you prepared? Some of you, like I said, know more about conspiracies than you do the Word of God. Some of you have studied more about what's on TV than the Word of God. You know more about uh, uh, celebrities than the celebrity of celebrities, Jesus Christ. You've got to be prepared. We are in a war here, and people, the casualties are everybody against us as people. They're prisoners of war. And we've got to liberate them through Jesus Christ. So he says this, but he ends up saying you have to explain. He says uh, you have to be ready uh, to make a defense. Now the word in the Greek for defense is apologeo, and it means to make an apology. It's not, you know, geez, I'm sorry, I'm a Christian, I can't help you. It's not that. 
An apology is an explanation of your faith, an explanation and a ready defense of your belief. Why do you believe Jesus is Lord? Why do you believe He's the only way to the Father and no other religion can bring salvation? Why do you believe He had to spill His blood? Why do you believe that the resurrection is true? Why do you believe these things? There's tons of material for that. You need to prepare yourself and understand it because people want to know. Because they don't know. They're fed so much misinformation. And you're the light in their life. But here's the last point he says. He says to do this. Do it with what? Gentleness and respect. Well, I'm not going to respect them because they don't like Jesus. Every person is made in the image of God. And every person God died for and loves. Just like he does you. And so we must, with gentleness and respect, try to work with them. And they'll spit at you. They'll reject you. They'll call you names. But you don't give up. Your children will say, oh, my mom, my dad, they're Jesus freaks. They don't understand. They're brainwashed. But you don't stop praying and you keep ministering the love of God with gentleness and respect. And you draw the boundary lines where you need to but you love them in Jesus' name. Paul said this, reply, no, repay no evil for evil. All right? So we can't do that. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. You have testimony. You have a testimony. If possible, so far as it depends on you, leave, live peaceable with all. And I love the way he prefaces it. If it's possible. Because there's some folks, it's just not possible to live at peace with them. And so you need to separate yourself and now you got peace. There are some folks you have to draw boundaries on. But you're still praying for them and you're hoping that there can be some kind of uh, reckoning together. But we have to maintain the testimony of Jesus Christ at all times. I conclude with this, because if you don't, you're the only ones with true north. You're the only ones who know how to work the compass so that people can find their way out of sin and death. So offer them the true Jesus. I end with this. Everybody in the United States knows who Jesus is. Everybody has a concept and an idea of who Jesus is. And almost all of them are wrong. But you hold the testimony of the true Jesus. Tell them. Ask them. What do you know about Jesus? Can I tell you the true Jesus? Can I tell you who He is and how much He really loves you? Can I help you understand the meaning and the purpose of the cross? And talk to them. Care for them. Now look at This is not easy. Your families are splitting up. Your families are breaking apart. Things are being strained at work. It's getting hard and it's going to get harder. But we can't retreat and we can't leave the world. We were called to the world. We're called to an occupation that occupy until I come. That means you're called to labor, employment, where you're at, Do it to the best of your abilities. Learn, grow from your mistakes, and keep working at it. That's how we're going to win the loss to Jesus Christ. Amen?
Bow your heads with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. I'm praying for everyone in this room, Lord God, that as we day to day in our jobs, in our neighborhoods, in our own homes, and in our families, we, we want to present you well, Jesus. Sometimes we lose it, sometimes we blow it, sometimes we fail. But thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit that always restores us. God, we want to be effective to reach the lost. And there is only one effective way. It's Jesus. To show them Jesus. The true Jesus. May we do that. May we never judge the others. May we never exclude them. May we tell them of Jesus' love and reach them that they may find true north on their moral compass. I pray this blessing upon the people here this morning in Jesus' name. And if you'll receive it, would you say amen? Amen. 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 Praise God.